Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Rebecca Mazzino and with me is Tara Tuttle and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have a very special guest with us. We have Tanya Goranitis. Did I say that right? You did. Thank you, Tara. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. No worries. So Tanya has been doing some really phenomenal work in her part of the world and is starting to expand. She is the, would we call you the founder or the CEO of Women Against Waste? I think founder. Founder because it's a movement. It's it's about um, the collective, but it's it's something that I've been able to spark that I'm very proud of. So before we get into this Women Against Waste and what you're doing and what you're achieving and hoping to achieve, can you please, Tanya, tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, where you grew up and what you do for a living? Sure. Uh, so I am originally from Melbourne um, I spent some time living in WA for a few years as a kid and, and wound back in Victoria, um, now living in East Gippsland, which is regional Victoria, about three and a half hours away from Melbourne. I live in a town called Bansdale, which has a population of about 12,000 people and some satellite towns as well. My background really, I think the key things that are important to understand about where I've come from and why I'm doing what I'm doing is I moved a lot as a kid. I've moved house more than 30 times. So I am something of the professional packer. Wow. What was the reason for all the moving? Uh, Life. Um, My dad moved us around a lot. Um, Just jobs, career moves. Yeah, all those things. And then, of course, as a teen, like when I left home in my late teens, early 20s, um, I I moved around, had a lot of share accommodation, those sorts of things. So... I sat down and I counted it and I kind of lost count at about 32 something. So I've moved a lot and I've always been really focused on the home environment. So I remember as young as six, it was always Saturday mornings cleaning the house day. I had to clean my bedroom, hated cleaning my bedroom, loved rearranging it, loved styling and decorating it. Even at six, I would have all my little porcelain um, trinkets that were so popular in the 80s, right? Um, I would have them balanced and I'd move them around and I would push furniture around way too heavy that I shouldn't have been doing but I was never patient enough to wait for an adult to help me so um, when I moved house you know I always said that leaving the old house but always super excited that I got to put my beloved possessions in new places in my new home and I had to get really good at deciding what came because when I did move from Melbourne to Perth at the age of eight we took our car in the back of the train and everything we owned had to fit in the car. So I got one box. Wow. And I had this experience of mum said, the things that you choose not to keep, we're going to donate to the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne. And so we did that. And that really helped me as a kid at eight to let go, knowing it was going somewhere meaningful. And I got my very first grown-up letter when they wrote me to say thank you so much for your donation. So that's um, been with me from a very young age about um, the importance of our stuff and what we can do with our stuff and how it can have an impact and mindfulness when we move. They've been with me forever. And I also come from a very long line of very capable, creative women that could do a lot with, you know, they could rub two sticks together and make a home look beautiful um, Mm -hmm. because they're creative. You know, one one was a milliner and a seamstress, one was a smocker. All of us at some point have, you know, upcycled furniture. Um, We can 
we can see a piece of junk and, and turn it into something awesome. That's the life I grew up with. So my whole upbringing has always been very centred around the home and how you can make something from nothing in many cases because there wasn't always a lot of money to go around. Wow. So what did you, uh, you were talking about uni, what did you study at uni? Did you get straight into architecture or home decorating or anything like that? I never went to uni. I, I, I finished high school my year 12, I kid you not. My VCE was studio arts painting, studio arts drawing, ceramics and English and that was it. I had the most fabulous year 12, just full of creativity. But I was, oh, that's great. I was kind of, I was like, I've got to get out in the workforce. So actually I really wanted to be creative but I didn't trust myself to have a creative career and so I got into um, customer service essentially and um, I, I climbed the ranks within a couple of different call centres quickly and um, it was the best start for me because it gave me skills in customer service, conflict resolution, um, training and development, people management, all these amazing skills that I currently use in my business today. But it wasn't until um, we moved from Melbourne to the country for my husband's work um, and I stopped working um, and had children that I sort of stopped and I looked around and I thought, well, what do I want to do with myself? And the opportunity to be creative popped up and you know I'd always kind of wanted to be an interior designer and so I um I put myself through design school I studied at ISCD I did a certificate for foreign design um with the idea of becoming an interior designer and I opened up my business interior philosophy uh which I run here in East Gippsland but what became apparent to me super quickly is that while nice rooms are nice to have the real work is before you get to the prettying at the end of it. It's all about what we have, why we have, the stories that are attached to them, the things that don't serve us, the things that do serve us. And so very quickly my business pivoted from just being interior styling um, to actually decluttering and home organisation, which is my favourite part of the work that I do. So how much of, of each do you do how what does your your typical week look like do you do more decluttering and less styling or is it pretty even it's literally all over the place and every day is different because every client needs something different from me so the full range of things that I do is decluttering um organization styling home staging for sale um move management and downsizing and um all of that has a component of coaching within it as well so I really just meet each of my clients where they need me um, and that can be such a different balance. So some people just need decluttering and organisation. Some people just need styling. Some people just need to get the home ready for sale. Um, and I, I show up and I meet them exactly where they need me, which is great because it means that every single day for me is different and challenging and interesting and I get to use my full set of skills. Moving on to closer to what you're doing now some of the the things that you're kicking off yeah. with women against waste yeah. and and launching that when did you first start getting into this this area of clothes swapping or rehoming people's <laughs> items what was how did you transition from your full work week styling and decluttering into 
thinking about where the items were going once they were decluttered. You know, I heard about the concept of a clothes swap years and years ago, like probably 10, 15 years ago, and I remember thinking, gee, that's brilliant. I love that, you know, because I didn't have a lot of cash to throw around back then in my 20s, um, and it was a great way to freshen up the wardrobe. Um, and then when my kids started primary school and the, ki- the school needed a fundraiser, I ran a clothes swap which was was probably like five or six years ago now. And it had a warm reception but not a really strong reception. But I still always loved the concept. And I knew that there was more potential there that um, was worthy of exploring. Then when I started working as a professional home organiser and coaching so many people through the process of letting go, it became so acutely aware to me or clear to me that where their things went was a huge deciding factor on whether or not they wanted to let go. And so finding meaningful places for their unwanted items to go became a big part of my job. I guess that that probably takes you right back to being eight when you were letting go of stuff, knowing it was going yep. to the children's hospital exactly. made it easier to part with. 100%. Exactly mm. right. And so people were starting to ask me in my job, well, I don't want this, but it's really good. What can I do with it? And so when my business was fairly new about four or five years ago, I did a blog post when when we were blogging more than we were doing these other great things like podcasts. I did a blog post about all the places locally here in East Gippsland that you could take different specific types of items to donate. So places like um, Animal Age that would really appreciate towels and blankets, places like Neighbourhood House that would really appreciate items from the pantry that are still good but you're never going to cook with and it was so popular it absolutely went off um, on social media and a lot of people got a lot of value out of that and then one of the people in my group in my um, interior philosophy um, group where I sort of um, create a supportive environment for people to talk about decluttering someone said you know Tanya you should host a clothes swap and I'm thinking in the back of my head yes I love a clothes swap I, I don't know if the public are ready for it at this point. But since then, you know, the conversation around the, the, the climate crisis that we're in, it's beginning stronger and stronger. And more and more people are prepared to have the conversation and more and more people are looking for solutions. And so I decided, yes, we are going to do another clothes swap. And through workshopping the idea with the volunteers working with me, we realised that we had this amazing opportunity to not just do a close swap, but to do so much more with the fact that we have a room full of women together. And we know that when women come together in a supportive environment, we can move mountains, right? So we realised, okay, so we can get people to bring clothes and accessories to swap, but what else can we do? So we added in um, additional what we call stations. So we added in a recycling station. We added in a mending station. We added in a, a, an education station. So now that we've worked this event in my town of Bensal, we've had four of them and um, one in Sale, which is about an hour away um, as we start to expand our event, we offer five key pillars of our event and that is to swap, to donate, to recycle, to mend and to learn. And what that looks like at our different events might vary slightly, but all in all, it's very predictable and it's very consistent. And so when you sign up to come to one of our events, we give you a list of what you can bring with you. It's beyond just clothes and accessories now. It might be books for a local primary school that needs more for their library. It might be fabric and sewing equipment for boomerang bags. It might be board games and DVDs and CDs that are going to be sold at the local market that we have here. 
And it really depends on each individual community where the event is being run as to what's needed there. So we take a real local first approach. We want to be able to share good, excellent resources that people don't want anymore, but other people may. We want to keep those local in the first instance. Um, So places like Neighbourhood Centre and Animal Aid and those sorts of local organisations are great, of course, uh, op shops as well. And then we look to see beyond that what else we can do. So we support national and international organisations such as um, Recycle for Sight for prescription glasses. We also collect for international organisations like Uplift, uh, the Uplift Bra Project, for all those bras that we know that women have sitting in their drawers that were not right for them or are lightly used, we know we can connect those to women internationally that need those. So what we do was we're a bit of a conduit between what people don't want from their homes and different local, national and international organisations that are looking for specific types of things. So what, so what started as a bunch of women trying to organise one clothes swap in Bairnsdale has organically grown into this force who are now called Women Against Waste. Is that, that right? That is absolutely correct, yes. So how many of you are there? What, do you, what, does, you, what does your Women Against Waste kind of collective of organisers, what does that look like? Are you few or are you many? Are you all based in in one location? So predominantly it's myself um, mm-hmm. with a team of volunteers um, and our ambassadors. So the way the process now works is for each town as we grow, because we are currently growing throughout Victoria in 2019 and we'll be expanding into the rest of Australia in 2020. As we grow, we identify uh, an ambassador in the town that we'll be growing into that is highly motivated, uh, is already walking the walk a lot in terms of how they live their own lives. Um, and some- So what kind of... Sorry to interrupt. Um, what kind of uh, values, I guess, are you looking for? If someone's interested in becoming an ambassador, what you're saying walk the walk, what, what kind of things would you expect your ambassadors to already be doing? Um, they might be starting to expand their own knowledge and understanding about how they can reduce their own impact. Mm-hmm. So they might be doing things in their own businesses because it's often businesses that um, pop their hand up as ambassadors. So we look at, okay, well, what are you doing? Are you taking your bags? You know, every, every ambassador gets interviewed to make sure they're in alignment with our core values, which I think is the most important thing. So we have our core values um, of um, for healthy and happy people in the planet, to think local and act global, to minimise waste, to lead by example with small steps for the planet and to imbue not perfect, just better. And what that could look like with each ambassador can be very, very different. It really depends on who they are. But if they're already at a level of awareness and taking some personal responsibility for their impact and they have a curiosity and an open mind to not only learn what they can do better with small steps but also lead people in their community into that same exploration, then that's the kind of person we're looking for. So then what if I really like the sound of this and want to put my hand up and be an ambassador in my town? What, what steps would I take to do that? We would love to hear from anybody that feels very motivated about bringing this type of event 
to their town. Uh, we're looking for people with good leadership skills, uh, people that are confident communicators, uh, people that are perhaps already have a presence in the community or would like to build a presence in the community, and people that are really highly motivated to help others to do the right thing. And if people listening think that they fit into that, we would love to hear from them. They just need to visit our website, which is www.womenagainstwaste.com.au. And what they'll find there in the menu is become an ambassador. And when they click on that link, they'll find a whole list of information about what we're looking for and what's involved in the process. If they continue to feel that they're a really good fit and they're super enthusiastic about getting on board and, and helping to spread the movement around Australia, they just fill out their details on the form and I'll get in touch with them and set up a time to, to speak with them and get to know each other to make sure that it's a really good fit. Sounds great. And so taking you back to some of your events, can you share with us a couple of wins that you've you've had things that you've maybe either not seen coming that have been really positive. I know one thing um, that I have seen on social media that you've done is um, donating a whole lot of, of books to an early learning centre. Can you share a couple of examples with us of, of things like that that you've done that have been great successes at your events? Absolutely, because that's the thing. We, we plan, we have a good idea of, of where we can rehome things mindfully, but sometimes we do get just calls out of the blue to say, we know people in trouble, we know people in need, can you help? And that's actually a really good example. So um, this, this last event, we had a really big drive for books in particular because there were four different organisations that needed books. Um, we've collected traditionally for Friends of the Painsville Library um, for their annual book sale. And uh, on top of that, then, we were contacted by a local primary school who needed to build class libraries, small class libraries, and then also an early learning centre that had had a flood experience and about 90% of all of their books were destroyed by this flood. Oh, yeah. That's heartbreaking, isn't it? Yeah, and they didn't contact me directly, but a member of the public that were aware of us and what we did um, dropped me a message and said, can you help? And we said, we'd love to help. So at our last event, we um, we decided that the books from you know that were appropriate for children two to two to five would go to them, and then the books appropriate for children from five to twelve would go off to the primary schools. Um, or oh, that, that one particular school that wanted to build their class libraries, um, and then the rest of the books were split between friends of the Painsville Library, and then also a Fijian um, charity that I'm personally collecting for at the moment because. Uh, my family's actually taking a holiday to Fiji in, in uh, January 2020. And as I was thinking about the holiday and I was in different forums about Fiji, I could see that there were many um, villages that were really in need. Um, and it's more the villages that are inland. not They don't receive as much tourism through the area and what they needed most was school supplies books and sports uh, uniforms and equipment and so between now and then when we go overseas I'm collecting specific types of items including uh, school books that would be really appropriate to take over there so you know being able to say oh hold on I'm going on holidays but I can actually show my kids the experience of, okay, well, we've got resources here where we live that we have in excess and we're going to a community where they don't have anything like that or they have a limited amount 
we're going to rehome these resources really mindfully and get them to see what that whole process looks like and how that impacts other communities. Oh, that's awesome. That's such a life lesson for your kids. I think they'll probably, and they're at that great age where they'll soak that up and carry that with them. I think that's brilliant. They live in a bit of a bubble, as a lot of our kids do, and it's no one's fault. Mm -hmm. Um, They are very fortunate to live the life that they live. And sometimes just saying to them, you've got to finish all your food because there are kids starving in Africa, that's not going to do the job. They actually need to see and experience it. And um, my kids being 8 and 11 are very well placed for that for that lesson to actually much like me donating my things to the hospital when I was eight has has um, stayed with me I really hope that this experience will stay with them and help direct their decision making in the future absolutely so if if I'm interested in attending one of your events and either learning more through one of your education programs or getting something mended or swapping or donating, where would I go to find out about upcoming events in my area? So we have quite a strong social media presence. We have both a business page and a closed group. Oh, do, you want to, do you want to tell us what, the, what they are? Everyone get your pens ready or get your phones out so that you can look them up. So just search Facebook for Women Against Waste and you'll find the page. And if you do Women Against Waste Tribe, you will find the group. And that group has grown very, very fast as we are spreading our way from where we live towards Melbourne. We already have many members from around Australia that are asking when one of our events will be in the area. And we're coming, we're working on it, but we want to make sure that we roll out in a way that is sustainable and that the events in interstate areas where I'm not personally attending are still predictable with the outcome and support that they deliver into communities. So when I work with the ambassadors, I am working with them around the structure, how to deliver it into their area. I'm providing them with the the infrastructure, the booking systems, the marketing assistance, but they're telling me what their community needs. They're telling me who they're going to collect for Um, and they're the ones on the ground that know what's needed and I'm supporting them to to bring the best version of this event to their community according to what they need. I must confess that I am a member of your Women Against Waste tribe and it is a brilliant community. It's very active in there. It's very supportive and it feels like a really safe place and you just get people asking genuine questions about how do I dispose of this or how can I cut down waste or or saying, look what I've done. And then, you know, a bunch of women a lot of whom they've never met will be high-fiving them virtually or congratulating them online for whatever small steps they've achieved. It's a really it's a really wonderful um, place. So anyone that's contemplating it, I would say get in there because it's, it's great and it's very educational as well. I will tap in there and go, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that I could dispose of something that way. So I'm definitely learning things as well. So you've done done very well with that thank you a a very clear um point of difference for us with all of our events and our online presence and um community is that we don't want there to be any shame around what people have and what people aren't or are are doing because we know that that does exist in some sustainability groups and zero waste communities where 
um, if you're not perfect, then it's not good enough. And I think that shame is never a good motivator. And I think it can be very demoralizing. So I, I'm not interested in where someone is along their, their journey to reducing their personal footprint. What I'm interested in is in their curiosity and their willingness to learn and to ask questions. So if anyone wants to ask questions but they feel like, oh, it's such a basic question, they're going to think I'm silly, there's none of that in my group. I won't have it um, because we all need to start somewhere and we want people feeling confident to ask the questions they need to ask and know that they're just going to get supported and be pointed in the right direction and to be celebrated for all those little steps because when those little steps add up, we get big change. And I think in Women Against Waste, our biggest focus overall is to make it easy for people to do the right thing for the planet. That's the biggest challenge we're facing. And people have... um, they're kind of waiting for government to make it easy. They're waiting for industry to make it easy. They're waiting for council to make it easy. Um, and potentially those things aren't moving as fast as they need to. So women against waste are really looking at that grassroots level of, okay, well, what are all the little things that we can do differently? What are those little pivots, different decisions we can make? Um, and how can we as women against waste support the everyday household decision maker to make those better decisions and support them through the process? Yeah, I, it's like the whole plastic bag phenomenon. And for those of our international viewers, Australia has gone through a process in the last couple of years where state governments have been deciding to ban single-use plastic bags, the really cheap, flimsy ones that you get at the, the grocery store or the supermarket. And people have almost been waiting for their state government to ban them before they make a change. And it's like we could have this revolution could have started and for a lot of people it did start many many years ago when you just opted out of that you just took they could still be there and available but you just took your own reusable shopping bags to the supermarket and so I think I think that's where it all starts is you being committed on an individual level to play your part or take a step and you know what the governments will follow when enough people refuse plastic bags eventually the supermarket will stop stocking them. So now can you maybe tell us, Tanya, a few things at the micro level or the individual level that we can start doing daily or shift our focus to to start collectively having a big impact? Absolutely. That's really where we like to focus. In between events, these are the kind of of conversations that we like to have with people. Um, And you're absolutely right. We do wait for for government and industry to do things differently, but we don't need to wait. We can start doing things immediately. So, for example, in my own family, uh, I've been using my own shopping bags for probably three or four years now and and declining plastic bags. Um, That's an easy one to do that most people in Australia now are really getting on board with. Um, Of course, saying no to single-use coffee cups um, and making sure we bring our own um, water bottles and and, um, reusable uh, hot drink cups with us Um, I think that we all need to be composting which can be it can sound complicated but can be as easy as digging a hole and burying your food scraps that's all it needs to be and the reason for that is when we put our food scraps into general waste and it goes into landfill it creates greenhouse gases um, because it's mixed up with other types of materials but those greenhouse gases don't get created when they're composted so that's why composting really matters if it goes into our garden 
it's not producing the gases. If it goes into mixed landfill, it is. That's one thing that I have swapped. I used to have a compost bin and then it was just too hard to turn it when it because it was really, it was tall and narrow. It was a terrible design. Clearly I was not thinking when I purchased it. And then or I would have too much green material, not enough brown, and I was spending way too much time Googling the right um, mixture of compost and oh, and then I'd go searching for someone with lots of brown leaves or I'd be shredding my newspaper anyway. Uh, a friend of mine said, just get rid of your compost bin and start digging holes in your garden and put it in. And yep. for so long I was resistant to that because it seemed hard. But now that I do it, it is so much easier. I dig a hole, I put the stuff in, I cover it over and that's it. It's done. And for people that think you can't do it if you have a dog, I have a dog. He loves to dig. <laughs> he's white, so quite often he is looks like he's been dipped in chocolate. <laughs> it's just his muddy face and paws. What I do, I am mindful about where I put onions in. If there's onions, I will put them in a part of the garden that I know he doesn't go to or doesn't like, yeah. or you can just leave them out. And the other thing I do, and this is, I don't know what other people think of this, but this is what I've done to stop my dog right digging up and occasionally he'll come out with an eggshell or a corn cob or something that he's found but generally when I cover my um, compost over with or my food scraps over with dirt I will find a dog poo that he's somewhere on my lawn and put it on top of the hole and then he never goes there. That is the trick. I would have said dog poo is the way to go. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, and and so this is the thing. It's all about um, forming new habits because we do what we do because we've always done it and we've never challenged it. But now we know there's a reason to challenge it because we do know that the planet is in trouble and we do need to recognise that everything we do does matter. Um, but I don't want everybody to do 20 different things right now. I want mm-hmm. them to pick one thing this month and do it, one thing next month and do it and slowly integrate. And a great thing to do is to attach it to an existing um, habit. So, for example, I'm a mum. I've got to make lunches every day, but I make them in a bento box with no waste. I know how much waste goes into primary schools. It's phenomenal. Some are managing them better than others. But recycling is not actually the solution. It's not buying the stuff with all the packaging that is the solution. Mm -hmm. Um, We have to start consuming less packaging and less product altogether. Um, And so having a bento box with all the little compartments means that – I can be, the kids can be zero waste at school every single day. And they've been doing this for a couple of years now. And now their school is doing a, you know, um, a waste-free Tuesday just so that other families can ease into what that looks like, what that feels like. So if you can purchase a bento box or if you've got a couple of little containers that you can put into a lunch bag, Mm -hmm. that's what you need. It doesn't have to be expensive. Use what you've got. We love using what you've got. Um, And lots of little containers. You know, if, if you'd like to give your kids pretzels, for example, buy one big bag of pretzels instead of a big bag of lots of little bags of pretzels. Absolutely. And it's cheaper. So It's so much cheaper. Uh, it's less waste for the school. It's less waste for you. You're teaching your kids good habits mm-hmm. and you're jumping on the back of an existing habit. You're already making lunches. It's a small pivot to do it, you know, packaging free using containers. Um, one thing we have done is my... 10-year-old, almost 11-year-old, she's quite environmentally aware and so I have made her the master of the straws. So she is responsible in the house and outside of the house that 
none of us, the four of us in our family, are never to use another plastic straw. So instead of me having to hold on to that thought process when we're out at a cafe and my younger daughter, you know, gets a juice or gets a milkshake or something and wants and would naturally go for a straw, Sienna is the one who pipes up and says, no, 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 we don't do straws. She will say it at the counter or if someone is serving drinks, no straws in there, thanks, we've brought our own. So I have some metal straws in my handbag. But she, she makes sure they're put back in there after they're washed so that we have them when we're out. And she is the, the keeper of that realm, which is brilliant because it means that I don't have to have that at the front of my mind when we're ordering because I know if she's there, she will take care of that. So That is genius. I love that. Age, then, then hand that hand that or one of the, the jobs off to them or make them be the ones that are responsible for putting your keep cups back in the boot of your car so that when you drop in for coffee somewhere on the way home or pick up a takeaway that you've got coffee cups, make that their response, push some of the, the responsibilities out because we're trying to do all things for all people and for people that are already busy, trying to create new habits often seems like too much work. So if you can farm some of them off, go for it. Not only does it reduce your mental load, which we all know um, mums traditionally carry the bulk sum of the mental load in the household, uh, in most cases, not all cases, um, not only does it give you relief and clarity to be able to do what you need to do, um, you're training them into the best habits to bring into their adult life. It's a little bit like decluttering with kids. One of my real, I'm really firm around when the kids' rooms need to be decluttered and organised, and they will, um, don't do it for them and don't do it in their absence because what you're doing is you're removing the opportunity for them to see what decluttering looks like, mm-hmm. to experience the process, to get their hands involved, for it to be normalised so that when they start their own homes and live their own lives as adults, that's part of normal behaviour. That's the same with waste-free living and reducing our footprint, to be mindful and to be taking different actions and to be bringing those straws and bags and cups. Um, We need that generation to have that completely normalised so that they're taking that into the future and will then, as they come into, um, into their adulthood, that naturally waste is falling by the wayside because that's the behaviour they're used to living every day. And I, th- I think if you're having trouble getting your kids on board, do a Google search for animals and plastic and there are some really horrendous, shocking images out there of turtles with can so, holders yeah. stuck around their middle and um, animals that have got the plastic rings off the top of milk bottles around their beaks and things like that and these images are shocking yeah but by not showing them to children you're not protecting them because at some point they're going to see this and think I've been contributing to this so pick something age appropriate but say this is why we're changing our focus this is remember next time we think we'll just chuck that bit of plastic on the ground remember this picture with the duck with a milk tie stuck around its beak this is why we're really mindful of not only where our rubbish goes but how much we create and and one simple image like that can stay with a kid and help them change their behavior I think and to take that a step further what I know a lot of adults will be thinking right now is well I recycle all my waste so I'm not part of the problem the truth of the matter is we know that Australia and other um, countries like Australia are shipping their waste off to other countries that are ending up on beaches, in waterways, 
um, and really jamming up their natural environment. So you may have put something into your recycling bin. I don't believe that's 100% guarantee it's going to get recycled. Mm. And so that's where it comes back again to the solution isn't recycling, that's the Band-Aid. The solution is changed behaviour, including um, choosing items with far less or no packaging wherever possible. I've recently changed my pattern of behaviour. I love shopping at Aldi, but we know that the fruit and veggie section of Aldi is highly prepackaged. I believe that that's part of what makes them cost-effective. I get that. But um, that no longer is in alignment with my philosophy. Even though I like to save money for my family, it's out of alignment with my philosophy around us needing to take personal responsibility. So now I go to fresh food market that has uh, a butcher's and it has fruit and veg and other sorts of basic items and I get as much as possible from there first and I'm able to hand over my own containers over at the butcher and I bring my own um, bags for my produce and I do as much as I possibly can there and then the gaps that are left I'll pop over to Aldi and, and finish out my shop and for me it is absolutely worth that little bit of extra effort and potentially extra cost even if it's $5, I think that the environment is worth it. And so I will take that additional step and invest my time and my money in reducing my footprint. And that's the thing. I think a number of years ago, we would have bought stuff that was covered in plastic. I'm talking, you know, as my family and then donate money monthly to or, or yearly to a wildlife fund yeah. or, a, you know, and I'm like, that's just... Incongruous, yeah. Yeah. So we we have changed. We get all of our vegetables direct from a local farmer. He delivers them once a week in a big box. And so there's the only packaging on them is the occasional rubber band that's holding a bunch of, you know, radishes together or something. And so and then we return the rubber bands and he reuses them. Awesome. That's, I love that. It's fantastic. So we, um, you know, there's very few food miles and things like that, but I've had to change the way I cook because he delivers whatever is in season wow. and I get a bunch of turnips and go, what do I do with this? <laughs> so then I, there I am Googling turnips and, you know, my kids eat turnips all the time. They don't even know that they're eating oh, turnips. Awesome. <laughs> but but it's, it's that whole shift of like, I would rather pay more for my food initially rather than trying to reclaim that or, or lose that guilty feeling by making an end-of-year donation to a wildlife fund because of all the rubbish I've created through the year. So I think, you know, sometimes it's just a mindset shift for people. I think it's really important too that people really wrap their heads around the idea that you vote for the world you want with where you spend your dollar. So if you keep mm. giving money, to manufacturers that are not responsibly um, packaging or producing product, you're giving them permission and you're funding them and you're saying, I approve of this. So when you actually stop supporting um, those businesses and you start giving your money to those businesses that are really working hard to be ethical and sustainable in their practices um, and you give them your money, you're voting for that kind of world and that kind of business structure. And that's powerful because we know that where the money goes, that's where the power is at. So wrapping this all up, I think I think what you've created is phenomenal. And I think there's something really powerful in the fact that you're women against waste, especially because we know, and I know it's a generalization and I apologize to any of our male listeners, but so often it is the women in the household that make the purchasing decisions. Correct, yeah. um, and that also 
do more of the sorting, decluttering, yeah. letting go of items. Yeah. Um, so I think kind of targeting that group of people is really phenomenal. And I think what you've started is this amazing movement. If you had a crystal ball and could look into the future, what would you like the future of Women Against Waste to look like in five or 10 or 15 years? Where where do you hope this movement is going? I want it to be part of um, natural normal behaviour around Australia to attend one of these events every six months. So we run we run them twice a year um, around the change of season, so coming out of summer and coming out of winter when people are quite aware of what they haven't worn in that last season um, and are aware of what behaviours they did and didn't have. But I want it to be, and it will be, part of natural behaviour to think, okay, I'm going to collect these things over the next six months that I don't want for the next Women Against Waste event where I'll be able to attend with a room full of women just like me who are taking responsibility and being very conscious about what we buy, what we do with the things that we buy, what we do with the things that we don't want anymore. We're supporting other women locally. We're sharing resources. And then we're we're helping beyond and outside our community where possible. And we're saving money for ourselves because it's $20 to attend. There is no maximum or minimum around we we say that please bring up to an equivalent of a garbage bag size we don't actually want them in garbage bags because they're plastic but in your mind if you think about that kind of quantity um that's sort of the maximum you can bring so that what we have is manageable but the thing is you can show up with one item and leave with 10 Mm-hmm. it's not about the perceived value of the things that are being swapped at the event. It's about the value of the item itself staying in use and out of landfill. Interestingly enough, most people don't come to our event to save money. They come to our event because they're aware of the problem of um, things going into landfill and they want a better option and we offer that better option. And our events also are a trigger for them to declutter and get organised. So they really love that. So it's going to be, you know, I'm building it so it's just part of natural behaviour that if you've got one of our events in your community and, you know, I'm regional so I'm very regionally focused. We want to go throughout Australia in lots of regional centres to help those women um, that, you you know, that this event is coming up so I'm going to collect these things and when the event comes I'll bring it along. And so... In between events, you're having conversations online, you're having conversations with your neighbour and your mother's group and the people, your family, and you're leading by example with your small steps for the planet and you're talking about what you're doing, why you're doing, how it makes a difference. And so the the long-term view for Women Against Waste is that it just becomes part of normal behaviour that, you know, this event's coming up in six months and you'll go along, you'll participate, you'll help yourself, you'll help your family, you'll help your budget, you'll help the the planet you'll help other people you'll help your community it's it's such a win-win-win across the board that is absolutely brilliant and completely inspiring so thank you tanya so much for your time and for enlightening us on what you're doing and what we can do to contribute i will put all of the links to your website facebook pages the community um, any events that you have coming up at the time that this comes out i'll pop all of that on our show notes page on the website. So if you are driving in the car and you feel really inspired and want to connect but aren't able to right now, you can go after this episode at any time to our page and find it all there. If you have something you'd like to contribute or share, please jump online on our Be Uncluttered community and you can share anything that you've you've 
got some insights you've got from this episode or if there's other things that you think we haven't covered that you'd like to bring up, absolutely that's the place for that as well. Thank you so much, Tanya. Thank you, Tara. If people would like a little preview of what an event looks like, we've got a a great little 45-second video on our website uh, on the front page there. So if they go to womenagainstwaste.com.au and they scroll down, they'll see a a great little video of our last event in Bairnsdale, which will give them a good visual picture of of how it all operates. Um, They need to look out in that video for the mending station in action with the women volunteering their time to help women repair clothes, Uh, the racks and the tables of clothes, but other items like books and games and um, accessories and fabric. Um, There's an education station where we're teaching people about simple swaps. We have a breakout area and and an afternoon tea and the people that do our afternoon teas do it waste-free. So there's lots to see and look at and we are so excited to expand in Victoria in 2019 into the rest of Australia into 2020 and if people want to make sure that they don't miss out when an event arrives in the area, sign up to the mailing list, which they can do from that front page of our website as well. That's brilliant. All right, Tanya, we will definitely have you back on the podcast awesome. maybe in a couple of years. You can let us know where you've got to by that point and give us an update. I would love to be back and I really appreciate your invitation to be here with you today. It's been fabulous. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or via Facebook and Instagram or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and vastlifecoaching.com.